0: your cultural competence listen to interesting stories learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them get the global perspective here at culture matters on international business your host chris smith has a plan a plan for people who are looking for a solution he makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences Every episode he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences making you more cultural competent and now here's your host Chris Smith
1: Welcome to Culture Matters podcast number eighty-two. We are going to London. We're going to Laura Lindsay, who is um, a uh, who works for Lonely Planet. Lonely Planet, and who is Laura Lindsay? She's director of global communications at Lonely Planet. An avid traveler, she has worked in the travel industry for almost a decade, interspersed with visiting over forty countries. Currently looking after Lonely Planet's brand communications. Laura is responsible for Lonely Planet's reputation in the media, profiles of the company's spokespeople, and internal company communication. Most recently, driving the company's story of transformation from guidebook publisher to multimedia brand. Laura also manages the company's largest brand campaign, which is called Best in Travel. Let's get right to the interview.
0: It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters.
1: Good morning or good afternoon. Um, Laura, how are you?
2: I'm very well, thank
1: you. Good. Welcome. You. Having uh, having you on the show, uh, somebody from Lonely Planet. You're the second person from Lonely Planet, uh, but you're higher up the ladder. Uh, I know that. The audience doesn't know that yet. So why don't you tell them uh, and us... A little bit about yourself because it's a complicated question the first one always tell us a little bit about yourself where do you come from um where are you now and what would you consider and i i, I draw this frame your cultural frame of reference
2: okay um no problem that's that's quite an easy one i think okay. um hello, uh, laura lindsay i um work in the communications team at lonely planet um interestingly i've been at lonely planet um ever since i was a work experience person uh-huh. here uh-huh. so i've been at for a very long time
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and I have um, essentially always worked within the marketing and communications team uh, and our job is very much around promoting and protecting the Lonely Planet brand um, and that involves lots of working with people across the business. Um, So you mentioned you've um, interviewed one of our writers previously, lots of interactions with our writers who are out on the road. Um, We've got over 200 who are um, sort of treading the boards for us if you like, um, meeting travelers, understanding changes that are happening in the world. And um, a big part of my job is helping the business understand what is going on outside of the business and helping everybody within the business understand what we are trying to do and how we're contributing to that. Um, And I'm sure that um, you can imagine in the last um, nine years that I've been at the company, the world changed dramatically around us. Um, We as a company have to also adapt accordingly. Um, And so things like understanding the digital landscape is something which um, I've spent a lot of time on um, and also understanding how people travel differently. Um, We have a campaign that I work on every year which is called best in travel um you might be familiar with it it's when we um, every october as a business um explain to travelers where we believe they should visit in the next year and the places that we see are really offering people something exciting or different or new um and that favorite part of my job for me we we as a company sit down and um do something which we call a travel hack. We essentially get writers and staff um, and some of our community of um, bloggers and um, magazine writers Mm -hmm. and photographers all sit down and just talk about where they've traveled, where they've been excited about. And and that's something which we use to then inform um, those destination choices, which go to a panel. Um, And so just having that kind of read on what's going on in the world is fascinating.
0: Yeah.
1: I can imagine. Do you have one of those fascinating jobs as well, uh, whereby you get to taste and sample all these destinations or not? (laughs)
0: Um,
2: I wish I could say that I visit them all. Um, Mm -hmm. I have had some quite fortunate uh, projects to work on. Um, I think it was in 2012. Mm -hmm. Uh, We launched a book that was uh, called The World's Best Street Food. And one of the projects I was asked to work on was to organize a street food festival Uh uh, the book and to enable consumers to come to the event and taste some of the um different street foods that we'd recommend and one of the lovely things about Lenny planet is um we don't um just stick to the predictable and perhaps safe territory we like to encourage people to uh, try something different and um, broaden their horizons and so as part of that i was going around London and finding um, street food and sampling different, um, different uh, recipes um, because part of the company is very much that we won't recommend anything. We haven't tried ourselves okay. and um, I was eating ceviche on a roadside um, and visiting um, somebody's house to try their though yaki. Okay. So, um, that was probably one of the nicer opportunities to do some sampling.
1: That's kind of nice. That's uh, That sounds that sounds really nice and interesting. The, from the accent, I'm not sure you mentioned where you're from, did you?
2: Oh, sorry. So um, I grew up um, an hour north of London uh-huh. um, and now live in London and work in our London office. Um, okay. And I've worked in our London office for um, all of my career at Lonely Planet, but most recently this role... Um, as it's a global role, has taken me to um, many of our other liney Planet offices, um, which has been a real privilege. Um, it, I'm sure that um, you can testify to meeting people face-to-face makes it much easier yes. to work with people. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time in the US, so I've been lucky enough to go to our Melbourne office. Uh, we've got an office in Dublin. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very fortunate to be going to um, Italy next month uh, oh. to work with our Italian language partners. Um, so I'm not Uh, in one of the roles of people who visit um, the destinations but I certainly do travel as part of Lonely Planet. I guess one thing to say which is a really nice thing about working at a travel company Uh is that we are very encouraged to um, explore the destination that we're visiting for work so um, things like for example I was in San Francisco for work Mm -hmm. um, and um, I had a chat with my boss and said you know uh, it's going to be cheaper for me to fly via Vancouver than it is for me to fly direct um, and I'd love to have a weekend in Canada. I've okay. never been to the country before and the company's so supportive of that and um, okay. we, we share holiday photos in staff meetings so I was quite lucky to be able to come back and um, sort of rave about visiting Vancouver Island as much as going to work in San Francisco.
1: I can imagine both are nice destinations to go to by the way Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been I've been to both many times, so it's uh, I can imagine the scenery there. Um, You're uh, and you're currently in London as well. You said you're hour from London, you work and live in London, but you and now you are in London as well with a lovely, nicely branded Lonely Planet um, poster right behind you. Um, That is for for the people following the YouTube channel. If you want to see what uh, what Laura looks like, you can check that out as well. By the way, one one thing I usually how I prepare for these interviews is very simple. I, I ask for an introduction and then I, I start looking for I use Google and I Google I, I, and then I look at people's LinkedIn profile. What I found interesting on your LinkedIn profile, um, it says you have a B.A. and an M.A. in human geography and okay. geography. I can place, but human. De- what's the human part in human geography? Just I'm curious what that is.
2: Sure. So um, in the UK, uh, geography as a degree, um, you can either do a Bachelor of the Arts or a yeah. Bachelor of the Sciences. Um, and a Bachelor of the Sciences is what we call physical geography. And that's very much the um, the kind of um, the science behind uh, topography and, um, you know, things like the makeup of soil and why um, certain, you know, uh, landscapes are the way they are. Mm. Um or you can go down the route, which is more socio-political, uh, which is what we call human geography, and that's much more around the arts, and that was the focus that I took. Um, so, for example, my master's was in um, the consumption of information about places, uh-huh. um, ending up at Lonely Planet. Um, so that was a lot of looking at how people understand place mm. through the information that's available to them.
1: Okay, understand. Okay, that's so thanks for clarifying that. Human geography so it's a direction I'd never heard of um, you said earlier as well we could have heard that in the, in the introduction as well you're in charge of Lonely Planners brand communication so how does that pan out in different countries in the world or is that one consistent thing I'm, I'm not talking per se about the logo because the logo is is a static thing right so brand communication is more than the simple logo and the colors and stuff like that so how does that work in different cultures different countries
2: Absolutely, so um when we talk about communication uh-huh. uh, predominantly we're talking about what you might traditionally think of as as publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a team internally there's four of us um, who look after our publicity across the globe Um, and you're right to call out that we do this in different ways depending on the markets that we're speaking to Um, we also have um, international licensees who uh, look after our brand in local languages in markets such as uh, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Russia Um, and so our team works with um, the the media across the globe Mm -hmm. to take What we have is our sort of centralized core brand values and our core brand uh, focuses at that time. Mm -hmm. And we'll um, work to get those messages into different markets according to those audiences. So if you take, for example, something like um, when we're launching a new mobile product, we launched our guide that uh, back in January last year, um, the media marketplace in relation to mobile apps will be very different in America. Where there's, you know, a very high adoption of technology yes. um, in comparison to other markets, oh. and so we have to be conscious of that. The other thing that we have to also be very aware of, and I always think is the nicest thing about working in communications at um, a brand which is forty-four years old, mm-hmm. um, is we've got very different understanding of our brand depending on which market you look at. So,
1: give an example, please.
2: Absolutely. So, um, I sometimes say that it's like working for three different companies
0: mm-hmm.
2: Um, so uh, the company was founded by a British couple um, and set up in Australia first and foremost and so the awareness of Lonely Planet in Australia is very very high uh, you know we're a household name most people would be able to tell you A good amount about the company in Australia so when we are making an announcement or some news within that market we're being very conscious of the fact that people will know the heritage of the company um, and you know something which might be seen as um, a departure in one market might be seen as a a change of direction in another Mm -hmm. Um, and how we represent that um, for that market would be very different to for example in the US where there are lots of travel brands who um, are competing for space in that market and we're really required to um explain why we stand out as a as a brand um above and beyond some of those competitors um because we're educating people about the company as well as about the product that we'd be talking about
0: right
1: okay um and 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 like like big markets i mean you're you're um you're talking about uh developed markets like australia and like the united states for instance but how about china india those are growing markets H- how does that work with brand well communicating your brand there
2: absolutely um i always say that uh the the china market is for me the most exciting thing in chapel mm-hmm. at the moment um it's an, an you know it's astronomical the growth that we're seeing of, of outbound travel um yeah. in the Chinese market and um i was at an event recently with our founder tony wheeler who was talking about he can remember a time when lonely planet guides were bought in china for people to understand parts of the world that they would never go to which obviously is not the purpose of those books yeah. they are designed to take on the road yeah um, but it's a lovely idea that people in that market see us as kind of a window into places that they might not have been able to before Um, and so now there is this huge growth of young people in China who are very excited to travel Uh, we have an office in China that we set up uh, 10 years ago and um, have seen um a huge engagement with a young audience in China Um, and that's been something which has been a real focus for us is um, working very much on um, social media channels such as WeChat Mm -hmm. to engage that audience who are fascinated about um, parts of the world Uh, and we recently launched um, a campaign called Best in Asia Mm -hmm. uh, which which we run every uh, July and that was something which was very much recognizing this need um, for information about places which are Perhaps not top of the list for travelers from the UK or from the USA, but are places which are really um, fascinating for um, Asian travelers who perhaps don't want to travel quite as far but want to discover something which is a bit different. And, um, right. you know, in a country as diverse as China, I've been fascinated to find out the sort of wealth of opportunities that there are within that country itself. And so, we publish um, guidebooks for the Chinese market to parts of China that we don't publish in other markets.
1: Yes, I was uh, because sorry to interrupt. That that came to my mind as well. I, I reckon. Um, I reckon from how you focus on China that China is more important than India at this moment.
2: Uh, no, sorry. I maybe it was a, a bit okay. of a long-winded answer because I was
0: going no.
2: <laughs> to talk about India. Um, so the India uh, marketplaces again, it's it's a very different one. It's perhaps slightly easier for us to navigate. Um, in that it's uh, English language, um, which helps I'm working with those teams. Um, But we also have an office in India, um, and that was set up, um, God, I think it was probably about eight years ago. Uh, And we have worked on content um, for that market, which is very specific to the Indian traveler. Um, And so, for example, that involves things like um, uh, higher proportion of uh, food recommendations would be vegetarian for example um we've launched uh, products such as um uh, focusing on the the Bollywood industry and the destinations within that country that people can visit because we know that that's something that is of interest to the market um so yeah we absolutely I think um there's a growing you know uh outbound international travel numbers are, are constantly on the rise. And I think that there's huge opportunities in um, India and China and actually um, Brazil as well as an important. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. It's just an example, India, China. So you, you mentioned one thing about food here. Um, so take ex- an example. I mean, just uh, um, while, while you're talking, I'm making little notes on, on my, I start with a blank sheet of paper and it slowly fills up with kind of questions and, and things and, and, uh, and stuff that you mentioned as well. So, uh, in terms of content, the, say a guide about India, what different content would that have uh, as uh, comparison to a guide about the United States? What, do, you, do you put different stuff in different guides?
2: Um, so we actually, um, this is something which we changed the way that we approach this as a business mm-hmm. um, uh, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we structure the content um, at Lonely Planet now is um, by destination editor. So um, back in a traditional publishing model, we had what we call commissioning editors who would put together a book product and they would commission a writer to go out on the road and research that particular book product. The reason that we changed that model um, was because we recognized that Different destinations require different types of information, uh, and we also recognise that as uh, travellers engage with Lonely Planet content across many different platforms—book, so online, mobile, um, video, etc.—the way in which we deliver that content to people um, not only varies by destination, but by uh, the platform that we're presenting it on as well. Yeah. And so we made a decision as a company um, to structure our content business around destination editors. And so what that means is we have 20 people in the company who their whole purpose is to be the industry expert on that particular region. So for example, we will have um, a Western Europe destination editor who must know all of the changes that are happening in those countries that they are responsible for. You know, if there's, Political change, if there's economic change, um, there might be currency fluctuations, um, there might be change in visa regulations, all of those sorts of things. Okay. So responsible for knowing about the um the the trends in those destinations mm-hmm. and the things that travellers are particularly interested in at that point in time. So, for example, um, <clears throat> we might take something like um, street art being something which is particularly popular and we're seeing um, you know, certain parts of uh, Central Europe becoming increasingly popular um, with travellers who want to see that sort of um, art right. and so the destination content will vary according to what we know is popular with travellers and what we know is best offered in that mm. destination so somewhere like New York for example we would give a huge amount more scope to recommendations for shopping and nightlife um and in a destination like um uh, budapest we'd probably mm. a lot more scope to spas because yes. that's not <laughs> where but it's, it's say, an interesting
1: association you immediately make with budapest yeah yeah, yeah.
2: um i guess I was there not that long ago and uh, sampling the spas so yeah. that's probably why um i would also i also wanted to say um because i know that you're um Uh, sort of focusing in on on how different cultures interact with places and when we um, translate our products into other languages there are also some changes that are made in accordance to those audiences so for example we have um, information in relation to um uh, like recommended media so it might be you know if you're visiting um if you're visiting uh, Oakland in California, uh, a, a great film to watch is Moneyball. It's very much about the the change of um, leadership in the baseball team there, yes. the Oakland Air.
1: That's Brad um, Pitt, right?
2: Correct, yeah. Um, yeah. It may be something that resonates particularly well with um, an American or a UK English-speaking audience, but when we're talking about California to a French market, mm-hmm. we might recommend other media you know there might be a particularly popular film in in France which is in California and that might be something we choose yeah. to recommend instead for that audience so we do make changes um and it also if you think about things like uh, destinations like vietnam where um, i was chatting to our international licensing team and, and um they're explaining that when we do the french translation mm-hmm. we would have uh, slightly different content in relation to we wouldn't have to explain what certain words meant for example yeah. which we a UK audience. Yes. So being conscious of those sorts of um, audience needs is
1: important. Yeah, you're, you're writing, or in other words, you're speaking into a listening. The French need to have somewhat different information than the Americans or the Japanese or, or what have you. Okay, so that that um, uh, brings me to the other another question which you mentioned, in, or a, a question that came up with me um, when you're ta- doing your own introduction. Uh, do you use local writers or... Because uh, I've interviewed Lucas, uh, Lucas Vichin, who is an Australian who wrote the guide on uh, Guatemala, for instance, and he's not a local, although he's been living there for 10, year, 10 years, had been living there for 10 years. How do you do that?
2: So it's, it's not as straightforward as this is a pro forma of what a Lonely Planet writer needs to have. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, what we do is um, we try to commission the best, uh, experts for a destination so it may be that for example our Berlin um, guidebook has been written by the same writer for every edition because yeah. we know she is far and away the best expert for that city she's in that city she's following the changes in that city as it takes place um, if you take for example something like our Indonesia guide and um, we've sent a writer there who has also worked on other destinations for us um, such as um, Germany mm-hmm. you know it's something that we require him to live there yeah. uh, what we require is for him to be able to present the best information for the traveler um, yeah. i would say that the way that our content um, is uh, created has evolved over time so we continue to have the editorial principles around uh, independence and um uh not um taking um freebies in exchange for positive coverage mm-hmm. um what we have also done is, is widened the net in terms of um, working with local residents in particular cities who we know are, uh, those cities are changing very rapidly. So somewhere like Paris or London or New York, we know are changing incredibly rapidly and we want to be on top of those trends. Um, and so those editorial principles have remained the same, but the writers that we use has have broadened. And. Um, And things like video is something that, you know, when the company was set up, we weren't factoring in the need for um, people to record video when they're visiting a destination. Today, we have um, a program called Pathfinders, which is actually um, working with a whole host of um, uh, travel um, bloggers and vloggers um, who have entered to be part of our program Mm. and are tiers and we are working with them on different um, uh, what we call assignments Um, but we're still holding on to those editorial principles but we're conscious that today's consumer is so content hungry that we are um, you know we're not expecting every single writer to be in a destination all of the time Um, and and it varies destination to destination and and as I mentioned that destination editor role Mm -hmm. that's very Part of that is knowing who in their regions are the the best experts for that region and know um, the history and the culture and the trends um, that are happening on, uh, as their reset.
0: Yeah,
1: makes uh, makes makes good sense. Nice uh, uh, elaborate explanation um, on on these things. It's uh, it's crystal clear. And and um, you mentioned uh, like Paris and London changing really fast, like. Um, what changes in the in the world or in a city like Paris or London influence the writing?
2: Oh, uh, that's almost, uh, if you want an elaborate answer, I would say. <laughs> that I could go on for weeks and months about that. Um, yeah. But I think you're talking about um, a place which has such a high population density, such a high um, uh, density of services to, to support that population. Uh-huh. There's obviously going to be faster change um more openings more closures um perhaps because this uh, you're talking a- about
1: restaurants for instance and hotels and stuff like that or, uh, or
2: yeah so um in relation to, yeah events, festivals you know if you're thinking of a country which has uh several uh, sorry a city which has several million people in it The um, availability of, uh, you know, cultural events, music festivals, um, you know, food pop ups, all those sorts of things Mm -hmm. are going to be more frequent than if you're talking about a town, which is perhaps a few thousand people and they may have you know those landmark festivals that we will ensure we cover and visit um but they perhaps wouldn't have something new every weekend
1: yes okay makes good sense um you you mentioned the travel uh, no the information hunger of travellers um and i think you are also in charge or at least you're closely related to this transforming lonely planet into uh, the the original uh, authentic book if you want more to a multimedia that's how you mentioned it in your own introduction uh, a multimedia uh brand company how how is that how do you do that and how is that being adopted in different parts of the world
2: absolutely um it's a great question and it's one that we have been um talking about for a number of years now um I know that when I first as i mentioned been at the company for a number of years and mm-hmm. uh, when I first joined the company um there was a lot of narrative within the mainstream media around um sort of the digital um the digital wave of of information if you like and how can um, a a guidebook work in in that um, scenario Mm -hmm. and actually what we found is that um, whilst uh, the initial intention when Tony and Maureen Wheeler made the first guidebook was to provide information where there wasn't any um, that has completely changed now there is so much information Mm -hmm. That uh, product is still relevant because there is such a wealth of information. People need something to cut through the noise, yep. um, something that they can trust. And so that, that would be very much why we as a company have stuck so closely to those editorial principles um, and to those brand values um, that we have had for 40 years is because we know that if we continue to provide people with that information that they trust, mm-hmm. um, that it will help them make the, the most of their experiences, um, and so when you take that to the next stage in terms of this multimedia offering, um, it it still remains uh, that that approach still holds true mm-hmm. because ultimately, if you, if the information you're providing is um, putting the traveller first, it's thinking about what they need first, um, regardless of whether that's served up on a web page or in a guide or in a mobile app. Um, is it's not about the medium it's about the the voice and the information that you're being of value um and as i explained the way that we've restructured the business um in terms of having destination editors um that's because we are very much today moving in in a content first direction and so um we're not creating a guidebook and then having a website to support that guidebook we're creating content for places because we know that today people, um, you know, they have limited time. They have, they they don't, we use this phrase internally sometimes, um, which is, you know, people don't want to mess up travel. Mm-hmm. It's their chance to get away from work, to relax, to explore, to do something exciting. And so regardless of whether they get that information via a book or, you know, some slightly different information, which is tailored towards a mobile experience mm-hmm. for a um what they want is to make sure that it's really good quality information and right. so that's been our focus has been very much on making sure that um the people who we have uh, commissioning are experts the people who we have writing mm-hmm. are experts um, and then we have uh, different product owners who are able to explain to those people who are experts about places how that can um work with different technologies so it you know you'll see now that we have um many more pocket guides uh which right. are this small um sort of lower cost guidebooks which are more designed for um people who are on a weekend away right. and the reason for that is because we know that today people are choosing to visit certain destinations for a short period of time um somewhere like porto for example they don't want 200 pages on porto they want snap- to Port-
1: portugal a city in, uh, in the in north of portugal yeah, yeah
2: correct. um so, I used, yeah. you
1: studied geography i didn't but not everybody <laughs> might know where where porto is yes
2: <laughs> um you're also getting a site catalog of my recent holidays as well <laughs>
1: okay. yes i see that okay <laughs> um i associate lonely planet very much with um uh, tailoring to leisure leisure travelers tourists Is that true? Is that a misconception?
2: Um, It's an interesting question because I'd actually say that um, we predominantly, you know, the the heritage of the company has been in leisure travel, and you know, I think today we still very much um, provide information for um, you know people who are going on holidays and vacations and, and. uh, weekends away. Um, why I say it's an interesting question is because the lines between w- I, what I'm assuming you're thinking about is business travel and leisure travel. Yeah, yes, yes. Blurred. Um, I would say that today's consumer doesn't, on a business trip, go to a hotel, a conference centre, in the airport, and nothing else. Um, what we're seeing is that people now there is such a wealth of information available, they'll want to use their evenings when they're not working, but they're in a place to experience something. And we actually um, uh, have been working for a while on something that we're calling explore every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's this notion that um, if you're, if you're somebody who travels and you're somebody who has this mindset of exploration and discovery that you can apply that outside of your two weeks holiday a year. Yeah. Um, something that we encourage staff here to do. And we're keen for our consumers to also have this mindset, which is if you're sort of, approaching the world of curiosity um, you're able to have incredible experiences when you are at work when you're traveling for work when you're um, on your way home from work mm-hmm. you know if you take for example i use this analogy sometimes that people come back from a trip abroad when they're on holiday and they'll say "Oh, i met this incredible barman who i was chatting to and he was telling me some great places to go um, or i was chatting to somebody on the bus and you know we had a lovely conversation about um, where they're from And then they come back to their hometown and they turn off all of that engaging with real people and they're reading their newspaper and they're in their phone and they're not engaging with the place around them. And so for us, what we're trying to say to people is that those attitudes and that approach to life is still possible. And when I travel with work, I'll go and sit in a restaurant on my own and I'll chat to somebody who's working there and I'll understand a bit more about if I go around the corner, I'll see this amazing piece of street art that I wouldn't know was there. Yep. Um, don't just reserve that to my to my holidays for a couple of weeks of the year. Um, and so, you know, we've done things recently like um, uh, launched some recipe books for people to be able to create food at home that they've had when they're on trips abroad. That's
1: kind of nice. Um,
2: and it's that idea that, you know, there's, like our time is so precious that you can make the most out of it if you've got an informed um, way of approaching it uh, and sort of a curiosity to do so yeah
1: Oh, that's interesting um, I'm looking at the time as well I, I still have I have plenty of questions but I tend to keep uh, the interviews around 30 minutes um, it's not a TED talk but it's uh, it's an interview and, and I think around 30 minutes is, is about the time um, that uh, that people might switch off um, let's see what do I ask you um, I very quickly then what is because that's something you're involved in as well it's a it's a, a, an event called best in travel. Correct. What is that, please?
2: Uh, Best in Travel, um, we've been running it for well over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where we, as a, as a business, uh, work with all of our experts to discuss the places that we believe travelers should be considering visiting um, in the next year. Um, and it's those destinations which perhaps um, have previously been a bit off the radar and okay. people wouldn't have considered going to. Um, or that are offering something particularly timely that we feel if you are considering going to this place, if you go in that year, um, you'll have the best experience possible. So if you take, for example, uh, this year's announcement, we had Canada as the number one country. Mm -hmm. um, And a big part of that was to do with the 150th anniversary of independence for the country and the fact that national parks are going to be free for visitors to the country. Um, You know, that really feels like if you're going to consider going to Canada, this year is a fantastic time to yes. go because you're going to have so much more opportunity. There's lots of events taking place. There's a real buzz around the country. There's a real sense of positivity. And we felt that that warranted placing it at number right. one. Um, and so that's something that we do year on year. And it's, I love looking back over some of the places that we've recommended in the past. Um, you take somewhere like Myanmar that we recommended, I think it was about, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Saying, hey, this is somewhere which is really opening up to travellers again."
1: The former, um, you're talking about the former Burma, uh, Myanmar, yes.
2: Um, and you know, we were we were saying that it was a great time to visit because the there was a real sense of excitement around the the country. People really feeling like, um, you know, it was uh, a place to explore and discover in a way that perhaps certain parts of Southeast Asia you know maybe you weren't able to to discover and yeah. explore in the same way and um you know I love seeing that that was six years ago and today it's a it, it and at that time it was almost a little bit surprising for people now mm. it, it's it's not a mainstream destination but it's relatively well accepted by people that it's somewhere to consider travel to yes. and I think lovely yeah. to be able to see a place evolve like that and um become part of people's consciousness Port- porto is another great example of a city which um you know seven or eight years ago if you'd have asked people to name cities in portugal they perhaps wouldn't have immediately sprung to mind but it's it's a really great city to go to um and people are visiting it more and more mm-hmm. and um you know that it i think the thing that and travel always makes me feel is there are so many places in the world to go um and there's so many amazing experiences to be had and some places are um you know you can go back to time and time again and see so many different things um and there's places you've never even considered going to that i come away from those conversations thinking god i really want to book yeah. um a trip like that so is this
1: for yeah. the, for the public uh, this uh-
2: yeah, it's a, it's our biggest announcement. We make it every October, okay. uh, and it's the the ten best countries, the ten best cities, the ten best regions, and the ten best value destinations that we'd recommend. Is
1: it is it known that what the best country is going to be this year in October in twenty
2: seventeen? I I know, but I know? unfortunately, okay. how
1: are you? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. I mean, it's just a conversation between you and I.
2: It's... Um, yeah, it's very heavily embargoed to the point that. Um, there are many people in the company who are yet to know what's in that list,
1: okay, cool, but you know you're in the know as they say <laughs> all right cool well we're recording this in uh, in may uh, on may twenty may fourth two thousand seventeen So if you're listening to this in the future, you know then it it might be out the the rabbit might be out of the hat, who knows?
0: Uh,
2: well times because it's october twenty fourth so yes. that what will be in.
1: Okay. All right. But remember podcasts and video casts they live on forever. This is this is going to be recorded forever and ever. All right. Um I have my uh, my final two questions for you. Um one uh, is the one that I prompted you for already before hitting record, which is a question I ask every guest as well. Can you give us three tips from your own experience uh, as working for Lonely Planet on to or to become more cult, to become more culturally competent?
2: Um Yeah, I had to think about that. And it's interesting um, how you define culturally competent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I guess I would say that just in terms of um, how to best experience the world, um, being curious is something that is obviously, um, you know, being open to experiences is going to provide you with um, uh, more options and opportunities to experience the world. Um, Engaging with people, something that I mentioned earlier in terms of... um, you know, having conversations with people, uh, sharing stories, sharing experiences—it's often those um, conversations that are the things that live with you. And then the last thing I think is um, just not being afraid to to try new things. Often the stories that you talk about with people, um, when they when they're reminiscing about travel or, or life in general, sometimes is the hard stuff—the yeah. stuff wrong, the stuff that didn't quite go according to plan but that's the stuff that sticks with you and is um, a memory that you recount and I've had many a time traveling where something has gone horribly wrong and I've just been able to console myself in thinking this is going to make a great story when I get home
1: (laughs) yes yes it's true I mean look at turn on the news news is negative it's, there's there's hardly any up tempo news, but it's a, that's a good one. Uh, haven't heard that before, and I've done uh, your number eighty one in terms of podcasts, so and I haven't heard that one. So that's a that's a very original. One. Thank you. Um, finally, Laura, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, of course, uh, lots of ways. So me personally, I'm on Twitter, um, Laura G Lindsay, um, Lonely Planet. We are on almost every social media channel uh, you can think of. Uh, and on um there's a contact us section where you can talk to us as well.
1: Okay, let's leave it at that. All right, well, thank you so much for um, coming out and uh, scheduling me in in your, no doubt, very busy day. And I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future.
2: Absolutely, it was really lovely to speak to you, Grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a good day. You Bye-bye.
1: Too. Bye. Thanks, Laura. Again, very elaborate, very uh, interesting conversation about the uh, the inside and also the outside when it comes to a Lonely Planet. All right. This is the end um, of this number 81 podcast where you could be listening or you have listened to Culture Matters. A couple of things in the margin to mention as well is that you can watch what was going on, uh, which is video, of course, by going to culturematters.com slash YouTube of course, I need to ask you again to leave a review in iTunes. We're trying to give this podcast a good push. Not only this one, but the whole Culture Matters podcast. And part of that is leaving a review. So it would be very helpful if you could do that in iTunes and Stitcher, of course, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> um, if you would know anybody that makes a good guest, why don't you drop me a line? And we'll see if uh, we can make something happen there. And then finally, um, there is the Culture Matters app, which you can find for your Android phone phone, and also for your iPhone. You Want of that? Go to culturematters.com slash app. Okay, that's it. Remember, Culture Matters. Bye-bye. Talk to you in two weeks' time.
0: That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.